Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. You know what day it is? Friday. For perfect time for a weekend of tennis. And the Australian Open continues to roll along in dramatic fashion, to say the least. Tennis Bets is back. Another show. Another opportunity to make some money and ride the wave that our outstanding panel of experts have done. This 2024 season has been great. We're into round three at the AO. Let's get the ball rolling. And uh, guy and girl, keep the momentum going. Pamela Maldonado, bottom of the screen. Uh, Pam, it's been good. It's been a good start for all of us. And uh, it's always good to start green, especially this early in the season. It has. I think there's been a lot of value placed early on. Um, this is why I love betting the Australian Open, because there's a lot of overreaction to, well, this great player is well known. He's in the top 20. So let's go ahead and plug a crazy number on him as a favorite. Well, that provides value in the underdog, maybe not winning outright, but at least being competitive to take it to a full five sets, to be competitive, to keep the match close with the spreads. So I'm loving the Australian Open so far. I think it has been a bit of a wild one, but I, I'm still not at the point where I'm saying crazy things have happened. I don't think we've seen it, and at least not from the men's side, for me, for me. Well, there's yeah, there's varying degrees to that because I'll say that crazy stuff might have happened near – the middle of the bracket, but not near the top. Right. I think that kind of, and we'll get to the depth and some of the young players that have made a statement, but Zico, uh, Zachary Cohen back again. I think he just won the uh, last season of uh, extreme home makeover. So <laughs> we're excited to see where you are with that, but welcome back to the show. And I should add looking at that day, Thursday, January 18th in Melbourne, you know, Wednesday here in the States really was a tennis masterpiece. It gave people a little bit of everything, a lot of fifth set tiebreakers, some upsets, some stars holding off upsets and uh, the longest women's tiebreaker in tennis history. So that was the day that I'm going to circle on my calendar. Yeah. I was going to say like, that's the shocker of the tournament so far, I guess is Rebecca losing. I mean, I didn't have her to make it very far, but like her going out is definitely the shocker, but I agree with Pam. Like there's a lot of value in this tournament. I've made, you know, most of my winnings on this tournament have been, you know, players to win one set out of five. And I think mm -hmm. it's, been really valuable prices too, like players like Kakadakis, who they're not going to, you know, lose three sets in their home country. I think there's some stuff mm -hmm. where you can really find things like that if you look hard enough. We have a lot to discuss on this week's show. Again, if you're in the chat, we love to hear from you. Comments, ask us questions, what we're going to, you know, what you want to see. Uh, and Pam, we can kind of start with this one too, because I think it speaks to where you're at. This person's manifesting a Joker, uh, Joker as <laughs> final. So. We'll work on the nickname, but I know some of us are in agreement. <laughs> um, well, yeah. I think we all are. I think I'm at the point in my appreciation for the game where I just want to see the best against the best. I loved it. This is why I personally never get tired of watching the big three play against each other because you know that they are going to up their level each and every time. This is why Nadal, Djokovic, and Federer were so great because they pushed each other to new heights, new levels. They brought new things that we as fans, even over the course of the last decade, have not seen. Now we're seeing that with Carlitos and Djokovic. 
These are the two best players. Would I love to see it? Yes. The third player that gives me the most intrigue is Yannick Sinner. So I'm very interested to see the development of his game and where we can see his rise here in the next couple of years. It could be this year. It could be a little bit down the road with Sinner. But yeah, there is a lot at the top of the game to like. Some storylines as we recap last night and get into the picks and the future markets as well. If you've watched this show, you know the drill. A uh, big thrilling win for Adrian Manorino over Ben Shelton in a five-set thriller, Zico. The epitome of, in pro tennis, it's not about who's the better player for longer. It's who's the better player in the big points. This was a great match, and I want to stay on the positive side. What Manorino's done, three wins, three five-set wins, 36 years old, up to number 17 in the live ranking, and still finds a way to get it done on the biggest stage. Yeah, I really enjoy watching him play because it's just all angles, you know, all smarts. I think that it'll be fun to see if Shelton kind of learns anything from this match. I think that there's a lot you could learn from playing against Manorino. He's just so good at point construction, you know, just so good at like the little things in tennis. I think that that's where Shelton is kind of lacking, if anything. The only problem I have with this is we, you know, we're not getting our Djokovic-Shelton rematch and the two have been talking about each other these last few weeks. I mean, it's more Djokovic talking about Shelton. Shelton's trying to, you know, (laughs) avoid it, but... I would have enjoyed seeing those two go at it again. We also, Pam, had the uh, benefit of tequila in the postgame press conference. Banarino says that that's worked. And hey, at his age, to do what he's done, the late bloomer, to so, so to speak, I mean, that's an understatement. But how could you not like what Manorino's done and how he's transformed his game later in life? I wouldn't say that it's unexpected because what, I mean, I think it was, uh, it was either Zach or... I mean, it would ha- it was said on this show that the two players that are going to do well at the Australian Open are the big time servers or the counter punchers. This is why Djokovic does so well. He may not have like the power serve, but he has the pinpoint serve. And then players like Monterino, he is the counter puncher, similar to that of Djokovic. Great defense, and yeah, it's working well for him because he's playing against. He's been very fortunate to play players like Shelton. He's coming back from injury. He's still trying to find rhythm. He. Uh, healed, I guess, <laughs> faster than I than I would have expected. I thought I was expecting more of a slow start to the 2024 season, but he came out right at the gates looking just fine. But his counter punching ability at this court makes a lot of sense. But as a fan, like I love Monterino. Um, I definitely appreciate his style of game, and I'm looking forward to his next round. It's going to be a battle to see what happens. Monterino Djokovic, who looked better again against Echeverria. That's obviously a favorable matchup for Noe. But there is also another side of this to get to, and we're going to get to the topics first before we go on to the picks. Uh, Zico, we got carnage in the women's bracket already, and it could have been worse for the top seed Iga saying it alive against Danielle Collins in a crazy match that Iga held on to. Sabalenka's looked flawless, as has Coco, but Rabakina's out, Pagula. We've seen some upsets, and you know this bracket's been depleted, though there are still stars in the mix. Yeah, it's interesting because you look at the bracket when you're looking at it, it first comes out. Ego's matchup with Collins is one that kind of scares you, but then the sports books had her as, you know, a minus 1,000 or worse favorite. So I thought that it was going to be a blowout. It didn't end up being that way, but I do think that Ega is in decent shape until the quarterfinals. But yeah, I mean, there's a looming matchup potentially with Ostapenko, which is not good. Um, but yeah, I've, the one thing I feel really good about, I think I said it to you before the show, is I did have Quinn, uh, Kim Wen Zhang to win her quarter. That has opened up really nicely for her, but at the same time, there is chaos on the women's side, and I do think it could happen at any moment. Could still get the could still get the heat though. Could still get an Iga Ostapenko quarterfinal, maybe Iga in the final against Coco or Sabalenka, who just you know, double bagel bagel to win her match yesterday. So still a lot to discuss there. Uh, another topic that one of our panelists wanted to discuss: Pam Grigor Dimitrov on the rise, another win, another favorable matchup, and. 
you know, suddenly with Holger Runa out and some other names, maybe not in his way, this mm-hmm. path is opening up for Grigor a little bit. Dimitrov was my prediction to win his quarter at five to one. I'm loving what I'm seeing from him. I'm probably going to get a little emotional here, guys. Like this is the fan part of me. I know this is a betting show, but mm. this is the fan part of me where I find we're finally seeing the peak, the epitome of what Dimitrov is able to bring. And I don't even think we're at the top yet. Like Dimitrov for so long was overlooked because people, I think a long time ago, simply just gave up on him. They all forgot that he is one of the fittest players on tour, like hands down. You can see the other players. He has coverage ability similar to that of Djokovic, Alcaraz, Nadal. Now he's finally having a consistent 2023, finish the year strong. Uh, 2024 starting off super great. He just won his first tournament in six years in Brisbane. He's back up to number 13 in the rankings, serving better than ever. Like his average right now is 80% wins on first serve in this tournament. He passed. What I was impressed with is that Dimitrov passed the letdown spot against Mm. Martin Fucevic in the first round. That is not a player that you want to see in the opening round of a five set of a five best of five major. He lost the first eight points, went down two breaks, double faulted, couldn't find his rhythm. And I was like, oh, no, this is it. This is where Dimitrov, this is where it ends for him. This is what we expected and it's coming to fruition. He was down a set and a break. And no, Dimitrov came back, outlasted Fuchovic physically, which you don't do, and mentally, which is something that Dimitrov hasn't shown to do. Confidence, man. Confidence is such a superpower. And Dimitrov finally has confidence in himself. And I'm I'm here for the journey. <laughs> Zico, what do you think about that number right now, according to uh, the books? Plus twelve hundred to make the final. So, and there, and we'll get to the futures in just a second. But Dimitrov is rising in the, in the minds of odds makers too. They're seeing what Pam's seeing. Yeah, I was going to pile on to what Pam said. I think that he also stands to benefit the most from what happened to Medvedev with that scheduling spot the other day. That's the type of thing that throws you off for the entirety of a tournament. You're going to be you know days behind on your rest and preparation. So he's either I think going to you know lose to Felix tonight or he's going to you know beat him but still be a little bit tired and you know vulnerable in the next round. So I think Dimitrov has a really favorable draw. So plus twelve hundred, not a problem for me, especially considering we've seen him beat Carlos before. It's going to be fun. I, and, and I know there's upsets. We're going to get to some of them, but there is a lot to like still because this is, you know, a choose your own adventure kind of what could happen here. Uh, last thing before the future markets, I wanted to highlight some of these Zico, some of these young ATP players that are making a statement down under. Some of them are still in them in this tournament. And, you know, they're not even known commodities in the tennis world, but they're showing up on the grand stage. What have you seen and who have you seen stand out to you in the Australian Open this year? I think Kazo has been really good. Like he's a guy that has had some fitness problems in the past, but a really talented player that I thought looked incredible in his win over Hogaruna. So that's one that I've been really impressed with. Uh, I don't know if you guys have others. You help me out a little bit, but that was the one that I shocked I mean, is the other one. I mean, he lost yeah. his second match, but yeah. beating Tiafo the way he did and taking a set off Karen and, you know, having his chances there would be another one. Um, you know, Van Ash, I know it ended badly for him against Tsitsipas, but he had a couple five setters before then and stood in there. So I think in that kind of, yeah, oh, that's another good one. I think depth is becoming a thing. And Pam, I'd also just mention this too. Like I've heard this argument before time and time again, but we're starting to see the lesser well-ranked players getting, you know, more financial security, some financial security. Mm-hmm. I think we're seeing an improvement in some of the games. So I know the top is still the top, but I'm impressed with the depth of the men's tour. I think it's, you know, these first round matches have been as exciting as I can remember. 
Well, let's not also forget the coaching situation. I think over the last like year or so, we finally found the rhythm with what coaching is able to do in between the sets, in between the point, whatever. On the side, now there's more communication. So I think because of that, players are now starting to get a little bit better than they were expecting because, well, now you have the assistance that you didn't have before. All of that comes into a factor. It's a lot to uh, to dive into for the reasoning behind that, but... We know that it's just producing great tennis, which we like. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Looking at the future markets of who's left in this tournament zico the women's side some favorites are out Iga still at the top coco Goff shoots up ahead of sablank in the number two spot andreva number four that is just wild she wins from five one down match point down five two then it's quinwin zang svitolina and ostapenko anything stand out to you about this bunch of favorites I still think Zhang's a really good pick at 18 to 1. I think that her draw is somewhat open. I think that this tournament is we we all highlighted it before the tournament. Like this is one where her game is a really good fit for the courts and the conditions. And I, I don't know if she's in that portion where she'll end up playing Iga if she does continue advancing and it is Iga, but I don't know. Iga played really poorly against Collins. She claims she has an injury. So I think that that's kind of open for her to, you know, make a run here. And also, I don't know. Andreva, I don't think she could win this tournament, but I do think we're talking about like 2025 where she wins her first. Mm. I think it's coming really soon. I think that there are some things she needs to improve, but her backhand is unbelievable. I Yeah, it really is. The confidence is there. I said within three years, I'm going to amend that to two. Probably wins a grand slam by the end of next year. Don't know that she can beat Sabalenka this year. The number that stands out to me like, I don't know that I see a scenario where it's not either Sabalenka or Golf in the final. Mm-hmm. It'd be hard-pressed that one of those two don't make it, but, hey, tennis lives for upsets, and we know that. Uh, Pam, on the men's side, not a lot has changed. Sinner came down a little bit. Djokovic and Alcaraz, the same. Uh, Demonauer, Dimitrov, Zverev, Zverev in that next bunch, but any adjustments or anything to a monitor with these future markets? If Dimitrov keeps playing the way he does, him in the final, that would be one heck of a story for him to continue on that run. I still think it's Djokovic to win uh, simply because my worry coming into this was that he had that wrist injury prior to the start of the tournament, right? In the first couple of matches, maybe that was a factor. It looked fine. It looked fine yesterday. He's he's fine. <laughs> I'm never going to doubt the health of Novak Djokovic. He's done this so many times before where he's like, oh, well, I have a little rib injury. I have an oblique injury. My head hurts. My hair hurts. Something. And then he comes out and he wins a final. So, I mean, I am not hard-pressed here to say that Djokovic is not okay. He's playing great. It's still his tournament to lose. I think we're all having pretty good hair days today, though, so we can all come together <laughs> on that. Uh, can but I no, get a number I- on Casper Ruud? Casper Root is, yeah, you know, it's a, that's a good point. He wasn't in there right now. I think he's got to be in the, uh, I think he's got to be in like the, uh, the high level person of this. So man, he's on the like, right half. I mean, like I firmly think he's a top, you know, th- a tier three player, which I've, I've mentioned to you guys before, which means you are good enough to get to a final and not win it. But I can see him getting there again this year. Yeah. Casper Root right now to win is plus 9,000. That just, I mean, Tetsapas is 4,800. Root is 9,000. That does seem a little, uh, extreme, but again, you know, that's what we know. Then, and we know the experts are buzzing with their AO picks. Here we are on tennis bets now, getting into some more of the content of the Australian Open round three and then round four this weekend. 
Pamela Maldonado, Zachary Cohn. I'm your host, Mitch Michaels. We're also on the Tennis Channel Podcast Network as well. If you want to listen to this show, we've got some ex- we've got some comments in the chat that want to know our thoughts on some matches. So we're going to highlight some of them now, and we're going to get to picks here. So the first one we got Michael P. Greekspor or Curzo and Pam. I know you're on this one, and you're going to go. It's funny because we don't normally there's money line picks on this show, and it's not necessarily yours, but you're going money line, and you're going to go with the young kid winning this one over Greek sport. I am. I am loving what I'm seeing right now. Arthur Kazoo plus 130 at Italian Greek sport. Kazoo is super in tuned with his game right now, playing pretty vicious. Like look at even just his highlights. You can see the type of uh, dominance that he has over his opponents right now. He has the speed, the power, the agility, and more important, in these Australian Open conditions, he has the physical endurance. And what we're seeing is long rallies, long matches, I want the player that is physically fit and can outlast his opponent. Um, Kazoo is coming off winning a challenger event before the Australian Open. He just had two big wins against what I will call them mighty opponents, Laj Lugieri, Holger Runa. This is his first time playing the Australian Open main draw. I'm going to call this, this is his breakout tournament, and it's going to continue on the run. He's good at the net. He has a wicked backhand, and it was a backhand that was punishing Runa. Greek Spore, yes, he has a formidable serve. He's assertive at the baseline, but what we saw from Kazoo, that net game ability is going to pester Greek sport. Runa is aggressive, and Kazoo had an answer for that aggression. I love the underdog. So Zico, and I don't disagree with much, if anything, that Pam just said, but going into this match, a couple factors I want your perspective on. One being, you know, the fact that these young guys, we don't really know, we haven't seen it before, how far this goes, where the, mm-hmm. where the wall is. Greek sport has shown that fitness isn't an issue for him. The crowd, though, is, as Kenny had said before on this show, mightily French down there. So could that be another reason why this kid's having, as Pam said, maybe the breakout tournament of his life? It definitely helps. I mean, I had a lean on Kazo. I just kind of am nervous about Betty against Greek Spore. I think that he's beaten two opponents that are better than him at this, at this point. So I don't know. Like, I, I'm nervous about the serve on these conditions. Like, I, I could see Greek Spore going another round. This is, I mean, this is a battle, right? And I know, I know this is an excited player and, and Greek sport showing that he's in it for, in it to win it. He does have experience though, Pam beating French guys, Arthur. He does, last night, so. he does but I think it's also like, if I have, if I like the over in this match, so I think this is, has a potential because Greek sport, yes, he is a great player. So both because of this match can go a full five sets and you're giving me plus more than like great odds for something, what I consider a, more of a coin flip. I'm going to take the plus 135 every single time. I agree with that. Value doesn't lie on that on that strategy. Uh, Zico, one of your picks was a women's pick. We haven't gotten to it yet, but you're going Kalinskaya over Sloan Stevens in this next matchup. Uh, an interesting one because Sloan took out a seated player, Daria Kazakina, is finally bouncing back after a couple years where she hadn't had success in Australia. But you think the runs run ends here against Kalinskaya? Why is that? I just don't trust Stevens. Like last year, she was you know, 500 for the year. That was the first time in like five years she didn't have a winning record. I just think that her game is trending in the wrong direction, whereas Kellen Sky, I think, is reaching her prime right now. I think that this matchup has actually been pretty favorable to her in the past. She beat Stevens once. The last time they played was a close match where I think she would have won if she didn't have to retire. So it's one that she's proven she could pass before. And I do think that Stevens, there's just too many unforced errors still. I know she plays great defense, but. Kalinskaya, I think her service, you know, solid. I think her return game is really impressive. And, and the forehand, I think, is going to be probably the best weapon on the court in this, this match. Yeah, she beat her at the U.S. Open, I remember, when Sloan was mm-hmm. kind of raw. I think it was the year she came in to defend the title, and it was like round one, and she beat her. So 
that's something to really consider as well. But I mean, it's it's tough. It's the letdown spot. We saw it with Caroline Garcia. We've seen it with players time and time again in this tournament where it just hasn't happened when you have that moment. But uh, we gotta we gotta move it along here now, Pam. I know you've had success this tournament, and you've kind of done it going the old fashioned way with just overs. And uh, you got another one you're really hammering tonight as well. So I initially sent you two plays. Um, the underdog was one of them. This is the other. I'm not going to play this. I'm going to throw it out there. I'm focusing on just doing uh, the underdog plus 130 on Kazoo, but I do still like Tommy Paul and and Mir- I can never say his name. Mirimir Kichmanovic over 38 and a half. I think this also has the potential to go five sets. Kichmanovic, he likes to redirect using his opponent's pace. He's not going to get that from Paul. Instead, this is two players who are consistent from the baseline. I like Paul Paul as a parlay piece because he's his propensity to come into the net because he's better at dictating points. And Kichmanovic plays strong defense. He has strong returns. Why I decided to back off on this, and I'm, I still want to talk about it, is because normally this is like an auto-lock for me at five-set match thriller. But Kichmanovic, he just played a tough, physical, men- mental match against Struff. It was only three and a half hours long, but mm-hmm. two sets dropped. Kichmanovic, six to one. I don't want to take his plus games. His mental stamina is my worry because we've seen it in, before, prior to getting his new coaching change that, hey, he kind of like gets down on himself and he mentally checks out and he's like, okay, cool. I'm going to go on to the next one. That's my worry. If he can stay in this like mentally though, this goes the distance. You know, you can also say that it's like you're leaning it or you're picking, but maybe not, you know, hammering it. So I I like this pick and I think, I think there's a lot of strategy for it. I also like the fact I just wanted to put the graphic up of where your success has been on this year. Uh, Yeah. Um, but no, I think, and and the real logic here for this pick for me would be that Kegmanovich is a fighter. He keeps it close. I don't know Tommy Paul, and I love what Tommy Paul's doing. That win over Draper was great. Mm-hmm. I don't think he runs away with a lot of sets right. and a lot of war, war of attrition. So you can get the over. You can play the Kegmanovich spread if you want. I think those are pretty solid, solid plays. Uh, another comment in our chat that we you know strongly encourage. Somebody has a question, and that's going to lead to a pick that I think I think we have uh, some people that want to chime in here, but. We're going to have to see, but it's a pretty straightforward one, Felix or Medvedev, and we can kind of pick how we're going to play this. Uh, Zico, this was something that had you had on your ticket, and you have a specific play in mind with Felix to plus two and a half sets. Basically, just win a set tonight at minus 150. Yeah, and I think that's minus 165 now. I'd still play it there. Like, I think this should be closer to minus 200. I just think that what Medvedev had to go through the other night was like borderline criminal. <laughs> he said after his match that he was hoping to, you know, get to bed by like 6 a.m., which is crazy because, you know, he's playing a night, you know, late match tonight. So he should be have some time to rest, but he's going to be thrown off from what just happened. I do think that Felix is starting to gain some confidence by winning some matches. And mm-hmm. we know that he can be one of the best servers on tour when he's playing well. So I think he'll come out you know, serve really well. And that's all he really needs to do in order to win a set. I think at some point we'll get a lazy service game from Medvedev and that'll open the door for Felix, who honestly, like because of what Medvedev went through the other day, I could see Felix winning. Simply yeah. because of the schedule, simply because of that, Felix plus six games, Felix to win a set, Felix to even sprinkle the money line. Like he is not the better player right now. And Felix has been so far out of rhythm in his game for so long that I don't have confidence in him as being the better player right now. But simply because of the scheduling for Medvedev, it has to be a fade. 
Yeah, there's uh, another part to this too that I forgot to mention on the futures with Medvedev at plus 1300 and we've waxed poetically about how well he's done down here. But can you guys think of a more stressful or more uncomfortable person to be backing? Because all of his matches, he looks miserable, then you're miserable, and there's letdowns. But at the end of the day, he usually finds a way to win. Yeah. Well, you know what's crazy about, about Medvedev's future price is that he was 10 to 1 to win the tournament before the tournament started. Now we're a few matches in. He's 13 to 1. This <laughs> odds have gotten and, better. And Holger's out. <laughs> yeah. And Holger's out. So yeah, there's Holger's one out. Like, that's it. what it said. Like, that's the scheduling spot. Like, what, what he has to deal with now physically, that's what the odds makers are telling you. They're trying to get you to bet Medvedev. Mm hmm. They really are. Uh, they certainly are. Uh, before we go on to more picks and, and break down some things, there was another there was another storyline we haven't gotten to yet, Pam. And I wanted to ask you as we go into it, do you think Sitsipas has found his groove in Melbourne given how he looked last match or is this just a mirage, so to speak? I think this is a bit of a mirage right now. First off, there's two things that are happening. The courts right now, simple eye test tells you this is probably the slowest Australian open conditions that we've seen in recent years. That's going to benefit Somebody like Sitsipas, who does well on clay. Not that I'm saying it's as slow as clay, but it's just de definitely not as fast. For somebody who's still trying to find their groove, this court speed is kind of helping him along. His opponent yesterday, my mistake, and I even said it. Like, I did a video uh, backing Van Ash, Van Ashe, and I even said in my video, his lack of power, he makes up for it by... And it, that's what came. That's what happened. His lack of power was so evident, and Sitsipas just like ate it alive. It was mm -hmm. just a very good matchup for Sitsipas. So I'm not at all ready to say that he's back finding his rhythm just yet. That match against Ashe just made it made him look better than probably what he is right now. I think there's a version of Sitsipas that yes, he is looking pretty comfortable, kind of starting to believe that he's back in it. I'm just not there yet. Well, we like accountability on that show, which is on this show, which is lovely. Um, and I, I think too, like Sitsipas at this tournament, I think he's won 80% of his matches here and it's staggeringly better than everywhere else. So there's a level of comfort, but if we're comparing him to the Sitsipas that made the finals here, then yeah, I see exactly what you're saying that he's not quite at that level, but you know, trending in the right direction is something that we can stay. Um, Zico, we're going to, I want your opinion on something because another comment came in and it was a match that I, I wanted your perspective too. We got a question about Emma Navarro in here. She plays Jastrzemska next as a pretty prohibitive favorite. We, uh, we've seen the rise from her. She's jumped over 100 spots in the year. It's been one of the most meteoric rises in women's tennis. Minus 210 in this match against Jastrzemska. Do you have a lean on it or a betting strategy? I like Navarro, but not at that number. So if I were to take it, I'd probably go Navarro's set spread, if anything. But I don't know. Like Jastrzemska, I think, is a really good player too. So I think that this one's probably... You know, maybe an overplay if you had to take something, but I do think Navarro advances. She did lose, uh, what, the first set last match, so she has had some struggles there, but Yastrems has been uneven as well. So, yeah, that sounds like an overplay to me. Uh, other people, Pam, in the chat were asking about this match coming up, and it's, you know, Hugo and Bear taking on Hubie Hercosh, and this is a, I don't want to say too popular because sometimes we know how that goes, but a lot of action on Hugo in this one. Will the French get another upset money line win, or do you see Hubie as kind of the one to win this match? Just as a general read, I would lean to the way of Umber simply because Hercotch is not the type of player that I ever want to really back to win because he's his return game is just not strong enough. He has the serve, that's great, but your opponents are going to always be in it because you can't return. So the over would always be an automatic look. How many tie breaks has Hercotch been in? 
in his career because of that return lack of return game. Umber right now is coming into this like really strong. I would le- I don't have a strong feel on this. I would even think that Umber can like snatch it off in like four sets if he. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I think part of it too is the fact that you know you said that about backing Hubie, except for Wimbledon. Like that's the one exception to the rule where yeah, <laughs> his best tennis at that major. So, um, but yeah, in this spot, I, I understand why the logic's there. Hugo's playing some of his best tennis as well, uh, and we mentioned some of the other matches too. I know I just want to throw this graphic out there, Zico. That spread for Kekmanovic plus two forty. There's some money line talk in this one as well. So Kekmanovic winning that fifth set tiebreaker over Struff, saving all those match points. He's a popular money line play. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. Like, I thought the plus four and a half sounds pretty good because I think he's more likely to win a lopsided set than Tommy is. So I would like having the games in a match like that. I kind of think that this one is closer to a coin toss than the odds are suggesting. So I'm actually looking forward to seeing this one. I might end up playing playing that game spread. We want to get through a few more lines here before we wrap up this show. We got round four lines for the first session. The, that draw as well, too. So we're just going to go through matches tonight and tomorrow here on tennis bets and get some leans from our expert uh pam and then we mentioned it too casper rude comes in as a sizable favorite do you think that momentum keeps going cam nori had to come from two sets down but a lot of people on the rude train so far uh these are two players that have been so in unstable with their with just with their games overall over the last the greater part of 2023 um casper finally maybe he had a break that he needed <laughs> which is what he was saying that he was deprived from in the 2023 season not actually taking an off season so maybe he's starting to find his groove again come back into rhythm this is a match that i thought of immediately of like how can i put casper in like a money line parlay but then I could also see Nori coming into and upsetting. Like, I just don't trust either one of these players right now to put them to put any money on. Well, that's an interesting one, too. The money line parlay, like we're still in a range where you might, which, what would be your number? Like under minus 300 in that two to 300 range? You're like, okay, this is too high for straight up, but maybe a money line parlay. Well, if I'm trying to do just like a two-player parlay, I want to try to get it to anywhere around like the 120, 130 range, um, minus 130. It's been very difficult. Like I was texting you in, before the show. I was like, I love Dimitrov. I'm trying to figure out who would I pair Dimitrov with in a money line parlay to give me some value. And there's just not a lot of players. He's minus 1,200 right now. So I need to pair a lower somebody around the 200 range that's going to give me like comparable odds of like minus 150 or better. I can't trust any of these players. <laughs> I was going to say, it sounds like you should, you should couple rude and Paul. Yeah. So the way that I like to do my money line parlays though, is one of them. One of the legs is a for sure. Like I have confidence and he is winning. He could win in straight sets at worst in four. No way. This is going five. And then I pair that with a more volatile player. Somebody liked Paul over Kachmanovic or yes, um, Casper over Nori. The one that's like, well, you know, he he is the better player, but it just has a lot more of variance involved. So one strong with one weakness, and I just can't find that at the moment. It's going to be a lot to uh, get through here, and I wanted to get your thoughts. We're going to bounce around, but there's a big round four match that I really want to open the board up to because a lot of people are going to be paying attention to it, especially in lieu of Ben Shelton losing. But we're going to see Sitsipas versus Fritz, and... First off, I guess, you know, Zico, the thoughts on this number, do you think it's set properly? And then ultimately, if you have a lean or a betting strategy, what would it be? I actually was just writing up plays for tomorrow and I didn't have anything on this, but I do think 
these are pretty fair odds. I think that where Sitsipas is right now, where Fritz is in his career, I think that these are two players that are pretty close to one another. This is probably one where I'd rather be on Fritz. I think, like like Pam said before, like it's a coin toss. I'd rather have the plus money odds. So I do think this is one where I'd go Fritz. I just don't like Fritz. And he always, he puts himself in five-set matches that he has no business being in a five-set match with. <laughs> like that is the part of betting on Fritz in these that, that gives me worry. It's funny you say that because what was it, Zico, two years ago when these two met in round three, I want to say? And it was before Fritz kind of had his breakthrough, his glow up, whatever you want to call it. Fritz should have won this match. And he found a way, I don't want to say found a way to lose, but just didn't play steady enough at the end. I actually think his game matches up very well with Sitzpah. I think I'm talking myself into the over when I say this because I think his game matches up very well with Sitzpah. Can he get across the finish line? And also how, you know, this is our answer to other question, Pam. How much better is Sitzpah? Because he's going to have to be pretty good to beat Taylor Fritz. Yeah, there's a lot of question marks, I think, for both players. So when it comes to stuff like this, scratch it off. There's value <laughs> elsewhere. <laughs> there's value elsewhere. From, like, up on him the last time they played. Yeah. It was on clay, though. Okay. Wow. Ezekiel, hey, we got another question for you on the women's side. I want to give our, our fan a shout-out. He's been pretty active. Any any love for Tim Ofiva? And she gets costume next round. But qualifier already making a move into, what is this, round four already? So... She, you know, she goes from qualifying to round four, where she is a sizable underdog, but not crazy. Can the qualifier keep it going? I wouldn't mind to play on her to you know win a set. I mean, I haven't watched much of her. I caught a little bit of that Haddad Maya match. Haddad Maya was a player that I was looking at to potentially win that quarter. So I thought it was an impressive win. Uh, I don't think that this is going to go on for too much longer, but I do think, you know, as far as a round four draw goes, this is as good as you're going to get. Like this is the part of a bracket where you're not getting a super, you're not facing one of the top players in the women's game. So it's not a terrible draw. I think, yeah, you go plus one and a half sets. It's probably what minus minus one forty. Yeah. I think that's about right. Uh, another great comment in the chat, Pam, I want to throw this to you because we also love when we have our, your plays thrown at us or questions for plays three to one Djokovic versus Manorino calling the set score plus three ten. Oh man, counterpuncher against counterpuncher. That's going to be an interesting one. Um, can you get one? Can you get exactly one? I mean, it's probably like possible. Joker, I think Joker is coming into this exactly knowing who his opponent is. He is not going to start at level one. He's not going to start at level two. He knows that he has to turn it up because Monterino is not only playing well, but he's they've played each other in the past. He knows the style of game. This is just a far more experienced player. I think Djokovic is straight sets. Okay. Oh, I played I, something. I, I played over 10 and a half games for Manorino thinking, you know, like he could, he could win that without having to win a set. You know, if he goes to correct, so if he loses one seven, five or so, like he's in pretty good shape right off the bat. There's a right. lot of momentum swings with him too. So that's the other side of it. Like uh, Djokovic can win this in straight sets. Monterino cover like the game spread of plus eight and this go over 30. Like all of that can happen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I got another set play for uh, today, a late match. I want to question Zico because that Felix bet has me interested. But what do you think about Mickelson plus two and a half sets versus Verev minus 130? Just get a set. And with that serve, hey, why not? That was another one I was really close to taking. I just thought Zverev looked really beatable last round. Mickelson's playing well, like you said, like it's a server. This could we could see a tiebreaker, maybe two at that point. You know, you're taking your chance with a big server to win one of them. So I do think minus one thirty is a good price, and I do think it'd be pretty fitting to see Zverev lose right now. He's the topic of everyone's conversation for the wrong reasons. It'd be nice to see him get bounced. 
I think so too. I think there's going to be a, a lot of drama there. I uh, want to wrap up with a few of these. Pam, another one for round four. You can make the argument this is going to be the round four match to watch. Rubla versus Demon Hour. This is some pretty elite level guys, and they're staring at the face of a breakthrough. Minus one thirty-two Rublev. So Demon Hour is a home dog at you know at home. This is getting into your football picking minds here. If that has anything to do with it, but Rublev Demon Hour. Any play or any read so far? Um, I would lean to the way of Demon Hour simply because he gets the home field advantage. He is playing some fire tennis right now, but. I was kind of like surprised and I think it was I think Zach even said this prior to the show. I was kind of surprised that Rublev dominated Korda <laughs> in straight sets. Got, handled the tie break just fine. His mental game looks good. Uh his ground strokes are there. His power is back. Like we know everything of Rublev, his consistency. Nothing's really straight away from that. And so I'm kind of I'm kind of like, is Rublev going to come out again? And he does well in these majors. He's always one to make it into the second week. Uh, just, uh, popcorn match. <laughs> I don't, I don't, there's honestly, like as the analyst, there's times where we're like, we don't know, like this could be a very good match and I could see it going either way. So Zico, and my only thing would be the question for me in this match is, will the crowd get to Rublev? Will the emotions get to Rublev? Because if they don't, I love how he's playing and how he looked last night. And I think he should win with the weapons he has, maybe even handily. But that's the question, right? Does the crowd, do the emotions, does the moment get to him? Like we saw Tiafo match in the U.S. Open got to him. So that's the yeah. question. I don't know if the great Ed McGrogan is pressed published yet or not, but I mentioned that in my story on the article. I said, I think that this is a really tough spot for Rublev. I think Demon Orr is going to raise his game with that crowd. And I'm worried about the way Rublev is going to handle it. Even from just an encore perspective, like if he's not making his first serve, that second serve is one of the worst mm -hmm. of the sport. So I think the Demon R can punish you that. And he's serving a lot better this year. I just think that this is a really good spot for the Australian. And I'm really impressed with the way he's played lately. And, and just another thing to note is that Rublev's got all sorts of power from the baseline. Mm -hmm. Demon R plays some of the best defense in the world. So I do think it's a really good matchup. Zico, last one today. We got to get to it. We got to finish with uh, your girl. Or maybe it's just not. I don't really know. But this Ostapenko as Ranko line was staring at me too as well. Now, we're singing Ostapenko's praises. She's ranked as high as she's been in about seven years. But look at the head-to-head -head and look when they played. Ostapenko's kind of had the hammer in this one. So what should we read into it? Ostapenko's actually not my girl. <laughs> I, uh, I was against her last match I, on the set spread. And I just do think that this is a good time to back Azarenka as a money line underdog. I think that I trust her more as a server, and that's why I think that this is a good price. I just think Azarenka is going to have more easy holes than Ostapenko will. Yeah, that man. It, everything's an adventure with her, and Azarenka is such a steady player, so I feel like that's going to be something to kind of monitor going forward in this one and beyond. But if Ostapenko keeps getting momentum, she plays downhill and can beat anyone, literally anyone in the world. Well, this has been a blast, everyone. Uh, Pamela Maldonado, Zachary Cohen, thanks for you know being guests on the show. Thanks to everyone out there for comments and questions and, and lines and bets you're playing. I will wrap it with this. I'm going to ask you guys the same question, but favorite storylines so far, and I guess what we're looking forward to. What's going to be on your mind this weekend, and what are you looking forward to, Pam, starting with you as I'm the Australian to heat up? I'm going to stick with Dimitrov. For so long, he was compared to Roger Federer because of the one-hand backhand. It's so strong. He, this is We are literally seeing the best version of Dimitrov, and it's just it's not. He's here. He has arrived <laughs> at his age, this late in the game. Finally, if he ha he's always had the game, but now he has the confidence. And I feel like because 
I'm kind of hoping what we're seeing from Dimitrov, the surprise factor of like, oh, look how well he's playing, that this is something that team follows suits with. And in like a year or two, oh, look how well team is playing. I, I kind of feel like just like both storylines are kind of parallel into the the forgotten underdogs. And now here they are blossoming again with their careers. Zico, where is your mind and your wallet going to be going into this weekend? Well, building off Pam, Dimitrov is three years and some tequila away from his Manorino prime. So I think that that's, <laughs> we're, we're, we're building towards that. But my mind is on that bottom half of the men's draw. I think that that is really interesting to see. I think that, you know, we're going to potentially get that Sinner Djokovic one in the top half, but mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to seeing who comes out at the bottom. I think that there's some real opportunity there. And, you know, I've mentioned Casper Ruud a few times. Like, it'd be amazing to see him make, you know, another semi or another final with his reputation as a player or just seeing, you know, Alcaraz make a run when this is kind of the least we've ever talked about Carlos Alcaraz. Like, it feels like since we've done the show. So I'm looking forward to seeing him in, order, in sort of like an underdog role in a way. He's stepping up. He's playing the, the first match he's ever had at a major, maybe ever, against someone younger than him tonight, too. So there is <laughs> the train keeps going. Uh, pleasure, as always, to both of our guests here, Pamela Maldonado, Zachary Cohen. Thanks to everybody out there for watching the show on YouTube, Tennis.com, Facebook, or Tennis Pets Twitter. If you like the show, continue to comment, subscribe, hit the like button, listen to the podcast as well, Tennis Bets, on all your platforms. And uh, we're going to be back next week. We got two shows next week. We're going to be giving you more gambling content as this Australian Open heats up. And then we get to the winner's circle as well. So for Pamela Maldonado and Zachary Cohen, my name is Mitch Michaels. Thanks for watching, listening to Tennis Bets. Have fun out there. Make some money. And we'll talk to you next week.